Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. Yes, don't check your calendars. It is Monday. The show's usually up on Tuesday, but I am currently on the road on my way to see The Flash. I'm going to have the review up tomorrow at the embargo, which will be around the time when Charts usually goes up. That, combined with my travel, made me decide to do the show a little bit early instead of a little bit late again. So we are going to be using the dreaded estimates for today's show, but that's okay because the overall headline is going to be the same, which is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, proving once again again, my old saying that you cannot track enthusiasm. It smashed through every prediction as far as what it was going to do this past weekend. We're going to break down its performance, where it stands across the entire Spider-Verse, as well as updates about The Little Mermaid and Fast X and even Super Mario Brothers, which is still breaking records. So let's jump right into it and look at this past weekend. And the number one movie at the domestic box office was Across the Spider-Verse. The final estimate is $120.5 million when final numbers come in today. Don't be shocked if that number's even higher because that's what was happening all weekend long. Every time an estimate would come in, the next estimate would be even higher. When we were going into the weekend, they were saying like, oh, it could be a $90 million opening weekend. Then it was, well, maybe 100, maybe 110, maybe 115. And here we are at 120.5. This is one of the reasons why I don't super invest into early tracking numbers because if you go back just a few weeks ago when they first started talking about the tracking for Across the Spider-Verse, tracking was saying it was going to open 40 to 50 million dollars lower than it actually did. The fact is that reviews matter, buzz matters, word of mouth matters. Tracking is sometimes accurate, but it is often not, especially on the high end. And that's why it is nothing more than an educated guess. And a lot of people kind of invest so much of their opinion about what a movie's going to do based on these tracking numbers. They cannot track the human element. And that is the big thing that has driven across the Spider-Verse to such a big opening gross. In second place was The Little Mermaid, which had an okay hold, about 57.5%, and a total of $40.6 million in its second week. So far, it is performing almost exactly like Aladdin did back in 2019, pre-pandemic, and if it continues to follow that trail domestically, then it would settle out somewhere along the $350 million domestic mark, which is not a terrible number, although the budget is a big issue with this movie, which we're going to talk about. I actually updated my outlook when it comes to what this movie needs to make in the theatrical window in order to turn a profit. Stay tuned for that. In third place was the new film The Boogeyman with $12.3 million. Horror in the summer is still working as counter-programming, especially because most of these movies have very low manageable budgets. 
In fourth place is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Remember last week I said that it was likely based on how the end of the Memorial Day weekend was shaking out that Guardians 3 would lap Fast X and beat it at the box office this weekend, and that's exactly what we saw. In its fifth week, it's beating Fast X in its third week. I think that says a lot about Guardians and, honestly, a lot about Fast X. $10.2 million in week five for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Fast X is in third place with $9.2 million and a drop right around 60%, which, when you combine it with its not-great drop last week, means that this is not picking up momentum as it goes. In sixth place, falling out of the top five after two months, is the Super Mario Brothers movie, a 48% drop in week nine for a total of $3.35 million. About My Father actually laps the machine in week two, $2.1 million for Sebastian Maniscalco's movie versus $1.75 million for Burt Kreischer's film in week two. In ninth place was the special live event Suga August D Tour D-Day in Japan, a live stream of a concert from Japan that was held on Saturday night, $1.247 million for that concert concert and then in 10th place is Nicole Hall of Center's You Hurt My Feelings staying in the top 10 for a second week with a total of just under $770,000. Dropping out of the top 10 this week, we had three films. After six weeks, Evil Dead Rise has left the top 10. Not a bad run for a movie that was going to streaming not so long ago. Book Club, the next chapter, drops out after three weeks, and Jared Butler's Kandahar spending only one week in the domestic top 10. And when we look at the biggest opening weekends of the year for 2023, who on their bingo card had that in June the highest opening Marvel film wouldn't be Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but Spider Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It actually beats out Guardian's opening weekend unless the final numbers come in below what the estimates were, and that has not been the case so far at any point this weekend. Of course, I will update all of this with final numbers next week. The top opening weekend of the year is still the Super Mario Brothers movie, even though it opened on Wednesday, with $146.3 million, followed by Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with $120.5 million, then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with $118.4 million, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum with 106.1 million and then last week's number one movie the little mermaid with 95.5 million dollars and looking what i like to call the road to recovery for a second consecutive week we are above not just the average for 2021 and 2022 but the average for the weekend pre-pandemic for the five years preceding it at 2015 to 2019 you see the top performing film for the past couple years was the continued run of top gun maverick the top performing film in the last five years before the pandemic was the debut of Wonder Woman back in 2017, but with a combined domestic weekend box office around $200 million, we handily beat both of those averages, and it's really good news all around. Number one, we have not dipped below or even really met the average from the last couple years, which means that we are still gaining momentum at the box office. Number two, I think now for the fourth weekend this year, we are outperforming the box office average from pre-pandemic, so this is good news, and for the summer box office season to continue on this track we need to continue getting that black dotted line above those other two lines and it's looking good so far let's look at the top five outside the u.s and canada in the international market spider-man across the spider-verse also doing well internationally with 88.1 million dollars the little mermaid in second place with 42.3 million dollars just edging out fast x which has been a much better performer outside the domestic marketplace at 41.4 million dollars the round trip no way out the south korean action film is in fourth place with 25.1 million and guardians of the galaxy volume 3 
three rounds out the top five with $12.4 million. When you combine the international and domestic numbers, that gives us our top five films worldwide. And this one's easy because it's actually the same five movies in the same order. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse breaks the $200 million mark in its opening weekend worldwide with $208.6 million. The Little Mermaid makes another $82.9 million around the globe, followed by $50.6 million for Fast X, $25.3 million for the Roundup, which had just a very small domestic release this past weekend, and another $22.6 million for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we see here that worldwide, much like it did domestically, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse puts up one of the five best openings of the year. Its $208.6 million opening is good for the fifth biggest opening worldwide this year. It trails behind Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Fast X, and the Super Mario Brothers movie, which had the highest three-day opening weekend debut of 2023 so far. But one of the interesting things that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse did was to blaze some new territory when it comes to the comic book movie genre. It's not uncommon for the second film in a franchise to have a bigger opening than the first because a lot of times people like that first movie and more people go back to the second film. But what was unusual about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was the degree to which it built on the opening weekend domestically of the first film. And it actually had... By my calculations and looking back into the records as far as I could, the biggest increase percentage-wise from a first film to a second film of any comic book film. When we look at these numbers, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse had a 240.75% increase in opening weekend number between the original film, which opened to an okay $35 million almost five years ago, to its opening this weekend, and it beats out some pretty prestigious company. The previous film that had a bigger increase by percentage from the first to the second movie was The Dark Knight, which built on the opening of Batman Begins. 224.98% increase for that that film, so it comes in just behind Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness had an increase of 120% in its opening weekend over the first Doctor Strange film. Blade 2 improved on the opening of Blade by 90%. Superman 2 improved on the opening of the first Superman film by 88.88%. X-Men Days of Future Past, I am including reboots as a number one film in a franchise, so X-Men Days of Future Past improved 64.83% on the opening of X-Men First Class. X2, X2, X-Men United opened 57% higher than the original X-Men film. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 had an increase of 55.33% over the first Guardians film. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, had an increase of 49.05% in its opening weekend versus the first Hellboy film. And Captain America The Winter Soldier had an opening weekend increase of 46.06% over the first Captain America film. And what Across the Spider-Verse did is what I suspected that it might do, which is to use the buzz that it saw since the last film came out, the fact that it was a word-of-mouth hit, the fact that it was on Netflix for so long and that people discovered it at home, the fact that it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film, to launch an even bigger opening than we saw back in 2018. And the other thing working in its favor is that we have had a lot of very popular things in the Spider-Verse, Morbius notwithstanding, since 2018. First and foremost, of course, being Spider-Man No Way home spider-man far from home also came out since into the spider-verse venom let there be carnage maybe people didn't like that movie too much but it did well at the box office morbius has really been the only spider related failure since the first into the spider-verse film came out and so i think that it's just kind of writing good buzz goodwill and a movie that people just wanted to see and let's look at the franchise tracker for the entire spider-verse and when we look at the numbers for domestic opening weekend for films in the spider-verse spider-man across the spider 
Spider-Verse is going to go down in the record books as having the third best opening weekend ever for a Spider-Man film. Of course, the top opening weekend was Spider-Man No Way Home's opening back in 2021 with a $260.1 million opening weekend, followed by Spider-Man 3 back in 2007 at $151.1 million. Then we have Across the Spider-Verse at $120.5 million, Spider-Man Homecoming at $117 million, the original Spider-Man back in 2002 at $114.8 million, Spider-Man Far From Home is at number six. This number would have been much bigger, but it opened on a Tuesday ahead of the July 4th holiday. So its opening weekend is really, I think, days four, five, and six of its actual opening week. It brought in $92.5 million. That probably would have been a lot closer to 150. It could have competed for number two or three on this chart, honestly. At number seven, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 back in 2014. It opened to $91.6 million. Then 2021's Venom Let There Be Carnage with $90 million. Spider-Man 2 in 2004 is at number 9 with $88.1 million, although that movie opened on a Wednesday. Venom is at number 10 with $80.2 million. The Amazing Spider-Man is at number 11 with $62 million, although that movie also opened on a Tuesday. Then we have Morbius at number 12 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at number 13. And only the unadjusted number for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse keeps Morbius from being in the basement in all things Spider-Verse related. Because when you adjust these numbers for inflation, Spider-Man No Way Home remains number one and Spider-Man 3 remains number two. Inflation bumps up the opening to the original Spider-Man film to $193.6 million for number three. Then Spider-Man Homecoming at number four with $144.8 million. Spider-Man 2 at $141.5 million. And then Across the Spider-Verse at number six with its $120.5 million just ahead of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 at number seven. And you see when you adjust for inflation here that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse actually edges out Morbius for the worst opening weekend across the Spider-Verse. $42.7 million for Into the Spider-Verse and $40.4 million for Morbius. Just to kind of set a baseline, let's look at the domestic box office totals for films in the Spider-Verse. No Way Home is at number one, even unadjusted. 2002 Spider-Man is at number two with $400 million, followed by Spider-Man Far From Home at $390.5 million, Spider-Man 2 at $373.5 million, and Spider-Man 3 at $336. Andrew Garfield's highest charting Spider-Man film was The Amazing Spider-Man at number seven at just over $262 million. The highest grossing spinoff film is Venom Let There Be Carnage at $213.5 million. And you see there that in just three days across the Spider-Verse has already easily topped the domestic total of Morbius. Morbius made just $73.8 million domestically. Across the Spider-Verse has already made $120.5 million. And it's only $70 million behind the final total to its predecessor, Into the Spider-Verse. It should pass that total easily this week going into its second weekend. Looking at the domestic box office total for the Spider-Verse, when you do adjust for inflation. No Way Home remains the top movie. Spider-Man is still number two, but its inflation adjusted number goes up to $680.7 million, followed by Spider-Man 2 at just under $600 million and Spider-Man 3 at just under $500 million. Sam Raimi's movies really delivered at the box office, and when you take out No Way Home, it was easily the box office heyday for the web slinger so far. Rounding up the top five is Spider-Man Far From Home. 
Andrew Garfield's highest grossing movie is still The Amazing Spider-Man at number seven with an adjusted gross of $346.2 million. Venom becomes the highest charting spinoff film at number nine with $257.9 million. And then we see here that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has a little more work to do, about $109 million to catch up with Into the Spider-Verse, but still easily topping Morbius, which is very much still in last place. And then finally, looking at overall worldwide box office total, Spider-Man No Way Home at number one with $1.9 billion. Spider-Man Far From Home, the only other Spider-Verse film to break a billion dollars worldwide, riding off of that high from Avengers Endgame at $1.1 billion. Then 2007, Spider-Man 3 at over $894 million. Spider-Man Homecoming is right behind at $878.2 million. And then at number five is Venom. That was a very popular film worldwide. $856 million. Andrew Garfield's highest grossing film is The Amazing Spider-Man at number eight with $757.8 million. And then at number 12, you see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse once again, easily besting Morbius. It's not hard to best Morbius for the 12th spot there. Morbius in the basement there with $162.7 million. And Across the Spider-Verse is about $170 million away from passing the worldwide box office gross of Into the Spider-Verse. And I think that it's going to be able to achieve that feat pretty easily. So it is an overall win, no notes for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And one reason why is that it was budgeted pretty responsibly. It had a reported budget of only $100 million. And we will look in just a few minutes at why that budget puts it in a much better financial position than some other films. One of those other films is The Little Mermaid. I mentioned that it had a hold in its second weekend that was similar to Disney's Aladdin domestically, but it is not performing the same worldwide. And the news only got worse on the budget front because there were some updated numbers that were reported in the trades that actually has me updating my numbers. And those numbers involved the budget for prints and advertising. Last week, I'd given it kind of the generic $100 million that most major blockbusters have at a minimum. Well, it was reported that that cost was actually closer to $140 million, which means that overall costs for The Little Mermaid are now at $390 million. And when we look at the money that's coming back in for the film, under a million dollars from China where the movie is really doing next to no business about 54.7 million dollars internationally where again it's not doing fantastically about 87.3 million dollars coming back from the first week of its release of course this being a Disney film that share may very well be higher we just don't know and then I'm estimating a 55% share for its second weekend which brings in another 22.3 million dollars so that means a total worldwide gross of around 326.7 million dollars with a net gross of $165.1 million. You put that up against the cost of the film and The Little Mermaid is still $224.8 million away from turning a profit. Keeping in mind, this is in the theatrical window. This is just counting ticket sales. This doesn't count product tie-ins or merchandising, which is gonna be particularly big on this film because I don't know those numbers. I can only estimate what movies are making in theaters. And The Little Mermaid is a case here where uh, it's doing okay domestically so far, underperforming internationally, but it would be in much better shape if that budget just wasn't so high. $250 million budget, $140 million prints and advertising budget. A lot of this, to be fair, is probably driven up a little bit by COVID and the precautions that you have to take. But also, Disney is budgeting films like they're in a global financial market, especially when it comes to China, pre-pandemic. And that's just not where we are. So one of the things that Disney has to do, and that honestly, 
every studio has to do from here on out. They have got to get these budgets under control because it is just not fiscally responsible to put out a movie that requires $600, $700 million globally every single time. You can roll the dice a few times a year on a movie like that, but it can't be every single one of your releases. It's just not tenable. One high-budget movie that continues to perform well is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and I have some updates on the franchise tracker here. We do have multiple franchise trackers running now, so if there is a week where I don't show you one of these, it just means that there's not an update to that particular tracker, or else we'd be looking at these all day. But this is the franchise tracker for the MCU, and you see since last week that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now the 17th highest-grossing MCU film of all time. It has surpassed Iron Man 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and Iron man it's now only about 11 million dollars behind both guardians of the galaxy and spider-man homecoming and it's only about 21 million dollars behind thor love and thunder i said from the beginning that i think that guardians volume 3 because it had good word of mouth would surpass the gross of thor love and thunder and get around that 350 million dollar sweet spot well it seems like we're about a week away from that happening so we're gonna have more updates on this tracker likely next week looking at the global gross for guardians volume 3 it is now the 16th highest grossing film of the MCU. When you look at worldwide gross, it has now bypassed the global gross of Thor Love and Thunder and the global gross of the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, but it's got a little more work to do if it wants to get up to the Thor Ragnarok level, which would be $850 million. It would have to bring in another $70 million worldwide. That's not impossible, but again, this summer only gets more packed, so it's going to be tougher and tougher for Guardians Volume 3 to bring in those numbers. Of course, Fast X, Another film that is in the marketplace, it's now fallen behind Guardians 3 domestically. Let's see where it falls on the franchise tracker. It is now the ninth highest grossing film of the Fast Saga domestically. It has passed the gross of 2003's Too Fast, Too Furious, but it's got a lot more work to do. I think it'll probably bypass the gross of 2001's The Fast and The Furious, and probably also Fast and Furious, which came out in 2009, and only need to do about $25 million more or so in order to do that. But it's got a lot of work to do if it wants to even match the domestic total of the Fast Saga, which came out in 2021 in a much different theatrical marketplace. And it would be hard to paint Fast X not being able to match the gross of F9 as anything other than a disappointment domestically. Let's look at how it's doing adjusted for inflation. Again, it is likely to be stuck there at number 10 because it'd have to do another $65 million or so in order to match what F9 did back in 2021. And I think that that's going to be a tall order. So again, not a great result for it domestically there. And looking at the film worldwide, it's the seventh highest grossing film of the saga. It's going to pass the global gross of Fast Five very soon, but it's got to do another $115 million or so to pass F9 the Fast Saga, and I'm not really sure if it's going to do that either. And when I look at all of these results, it's not just in comparison to how much the other movies brought in at the box office, it's in comparison to the budget of this film, which was even worse than The Little Mermaid. It cost $340 million. Again, a estimated print and advertising budget of $100 million brings the cost to $440 million. And even given its performance in strong international markets, I have it netting so 
so far about $239.5 million, which means it is still short $200 million of turning a profit in the theatrical window. And given these results, I think it's very likely that Fast X will fall short of turning a profit by about $150 million when we are talking about pure ticket sales around the world. That means that that $150 million shortfall is money that has to come in from uh, different tie-ins and product placements. And if you're going to sell it to streaming, even if you're going to sell it to yourself, I guess that it counts as a sale to streaming. Also, premium video on demand, it'll be hitting the PVOD market, I believe, this week. So that money will start coming in. But you're basically in the red just from ticket sales. And I think what any movie would love to have is to be able to bring in a profit just from ticket sales. And then all that other stuff, merchandising, product placement, physical media, streaming, etc. That's all just extra revenue that's coming in. So Fast X is going to be a money loser in the theatrical window when you look at just pure ticket sales. And I don't think that that's the result that Universal wanted, especially for a movie that is going to be, quote unquote, the beginning of the end for this saga, although that end keeps getting a little further away. But I want to tie this back to Across the Spider-Verse because I mentioned that smart budgeting is a way to kind of insulate yourself from these results. And I think that Across the Spider-Verse is a movie that was reportedly budgeted very smartly. Again, the reported budget of that film is $100 million. Wouldn't be surprised if we hear that it's a little bit higher, but it's certainly not $200 million. And let's look at the result from just three days of release. A reported budget of $100 million. I'll give it the prints and advertising budget of $100 million, unless I hear differently higher or lower. So we'll put the costs on Across the Spider-Verse at $200 million. When we look at what's coming back to the studio, $3.4 million from China, $28.3 million from the international release so far. It did well domestically and the studios get the biggest cut from the domestic box office. So $72.3 million coming back from that opening weekend. So we have costs of $200 million. I'm estimating a net gross so far of $104 million. And that means after three days of release, Across the Spider-Verse is already less than $100 million away from turning a profit in the theatrical window, which means that I think that this movie is going to be a money printer for Sony. I think that this, just on ticket sales alone, is probably going to bring in a gross of $100 million plus. We'll just have to see how it does in the weeks ahead. That's what you want, because then now, all of this other stuff that you have, the tie-ins, the merchandising, all of that stuff, that's just more money, more money, more money, on top of what you're already bringing in from ticket sales. It's also funny to think about this time last year when we were talking about feature animation it wasn't really doing that well we're saying like well minions did well but it seems like all these other animated movies just aren't doing well is feature animation in trouble well probably the two best box office results so far as far as opening weekends at least domestically the super mario brothers movie and spider-man across the spider-verse so it looks like that feature animation market is now tapping into the right fan bases because it is now thriving and speaking of, I had one update for the Super Mario Brothers movie, which crossed the $1.3 billion mark worldwide. That now makes it the second highest grossing animated film of all time globally, passing the first Frozen film, which brought in $1.28 billion. I don't believe that the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be able to top Frozen 2 to become number one, but hey, I'm sure that there's a sequel on the way. We have a lot more box office to track, but before we do that, I'd like to take a minute to thank 
this week's sponsors. This video is brought to you by ExpressVPN. I want you to think about how much time you spend on the internet every day, on social media, shopping, or just reading the news or browsing the web. What you may not know is that many providers can also collect that browsing information to better understand your interests. But the fact is, this activity is also sold to advertisers, and the more data they have, the more they get paid. And it doesn't matter where your service is coming from. A cable service, a cell phone carrier, any internet service provider also has this capability. ExpressVPN is an app that prevents your carrier from being able to see the sites you visit and sell it off to third parties. All it takes is one tap of a button and all of your network data gets encrypted and rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure servers for ultimate privacy. Not only does ExpressVPN shield your web browsing, it also protects all of your network data so you can stay private even when using your favorite apps. Whether you're on iPhone, Android, or even a tablet, ExpressVPN works on all your devices, and the best part is one subscription can be used on up to five devices at the same time. Right now, I'm running it on my laptop, my phone, and my iPad, all from one account. When any internet service provider tracks you, that is a gross invasion of privacy. You can either keep letting them cash in on you or visit expressvpn.com slash Merle to get the same VPN I use. Take back your online privacy today and use my link to get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle. expressvpn.com slash Merle. This video is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, one frustration that almost every mobile customer has, I know I've had it, is trying to figure out just what's in your plan. I've tried to switch a while back and it was nearly impossible to compare plans between companies because no one would tell me what I was actually paying for or what I was going to be paying for or even how much it would be each month. Well, the answer to that problem is here and it's called Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, no binding contracts or ridiculous promotions, no charges that you're not gonna find out until you get that bill every month. Every plan at Mint Mobile is easy to understand and delivers exactly what you pay for. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for yourself or a family, and at Mint, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your number along with all of your existing contacts. Get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month with no unexpected surprises at mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle. Seriously, you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash Merle. Let's take a look now at the per theater averages for this past weekend. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse wasn't the only movie putting up impressive numbers. A24's Past Lives, which was a festival hit, brought in $58,000 per theater in four theaters this past weekend to bring in the highest per theater average of the weekend. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a pretty decent average itself, $27,939 per theater in each of its 4,313 theaters. The Little Mermaid's in third place, bringing in $9,398 in 4,320 theaters. The Roundup No Way Out opening in 41 theaters brought in $4,878 per theater. And then The Boogeyman in 3,205 theaters brings in $3,838 per theater. Bo is Afraid still with the best per theater average of 2023 so far, bringing in $80,000 per theater back in April when it opened in four theaters. But Past Lives now with the second best per theater average of the year, also in four theaters 
theaters, also from A24, so they're doing great things in the limited release market. The Super Mario Brothers movie gets dropped down to number three with $33,000 per theater in its opening weekend. Then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with the fourth best per theater average of the year, topping Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which brought in just over $26,000 per theater in 4400 and 50 theaters. Looking at the top films in limited release this past weekend, at number one was that live stream of the Suga slash August D concert with $1.2 million in 835 theaters. Nicole Hollis Center's You Hurt My Feelings is in second place in 912 theaters with a total of $769,000. Past Lives, even though it only played in four theaters, that per theater average brings it up to number three with $232,000 total. The Roundup is in fourth place with $200,000 in 41 theaters and then sanctuary still hanging around the chart it expanded to 225 theaters and brought in an additional $183,000 and looking at the limited release top 10 grosses for this year this is all tickets sold since January 1st really just one change there in the top five Patan Return of the Jedi and A Man Called Auto remain the same at one two and three Nefarious though jumping up to number four over Women Talking which is now at number five number six through ten remaining the same from last week. Now these limited release films, often the ones that you'll find at the independent theaters around the country, and as we've been doing here on the channel, I take a moment in charts each week to recognize an independent theater here in the US. 10% of the ad revenue for this video will go to this theater, and this is one where, I mean, they're all special, but the story that I found behind this theater is one that is very special, and I'll be very happy to provide the donation generated by you watching this video to this theater. The theater is called the Prospector Theater in Ridgefield, Connecticut. It was founded by Val Jensen, who was inspired by her sister, who was born with Down syndrome. Val Jensen wanted to start a business that provided meaningful work opportunities to those with disabilities. In 2014, she spearheaded the opening of the Prospector Theater, which was completely renovated from its original building, the Ridgefield Playhouse, which was the city's first movie theater. It was set for demolition. It was renovated into a state-of-the-art movie theater, and 75% of the employees at the Prospector self-identify as people with disabilities. The theater also works to make itself a haven for those who need special accommodations. In addition to providing equipment like captioning devices and audio description headphones, the Prospector also holds open caption screenings and sensory-friendly screenings so that those who struggle with the traditional theatrical experience can also enjoy the movies. The Prospector is currently playing across the Spider-Verse, The Little Mermaid, and Guardians 3, but it also holds special screenings such as a June 15th screening of my favorite movie of all time, Jaws, as well as local events like their upcoming superhero short film festival. The theater also produces its own pre-show entertainment and social media content, which provides even more opportunities for their employees. What a great story. I mean, every week I have a, a running list because people have recommended you, the viewer, have recommended so many theaters to me, and I'll just kind of go through and try to find one that I wanted to feature. And when I looked at this one, I said, well, I cannot wait to tell people about this because first of all, it just looks like a fantastic theater and a great place for movie fans. And secondly, to have a mission like this and to see the pictures on social media and the fact that this is obviously such a meaningful place for so many, this is why I love doing this spotlight is to show people that there are places around like this that are motivated not just by a love for movies, but by a love for people. 
And, and this is one of those places. You can find more info about the Prospector Theater at prospectortheater.org. They are a 501c3 nonprofit, so you can also make a donation there. And if you do end up going to Ridgefield, Connecticut to see a movie, make sure to tell them, as always, that Dan sent you. And I hope that I also get a chance to visit this theater sometime in the future. Let's get an update here on the summer box office as we enter June. And the top four films are all films that we expected to be some of the highest grossing films of the summer, although maybe not in this order. At number one is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with $322.7 million. Again, if The Little Mermaid stays on the pace that it is on, then it could challenge Guardians Volume 3 for its position. However, Guardians 3 has held very well, and we are getting a lot more crowded, so I think it's going to be tough for The Little Mermaid to do that, but not impossible. Fast X is the third highest grossing film of the summer so far, although it's about to get bumped down to number four, because Fast X has made $128.4 million. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse enters the chart with $120.5 million, and it is going to start ascending this chart rapidly. That number one spot is not out of the question, unless another movie beats it there first. But Club the next chapter drops down to number five. The Boogeyman enters the chart at number six. About My Father drops down one spot to number seven. The Machine drops two spots to number eight. Love Again, The Big Loser this week, dropping four spots to number nine. Hypnotic drops two spots to number 10. And Kandahar and Rally Road Racers both drop out of the overall summer top 10. Looking at my predictions versus the actual list again, so far all of my predictions are still alive. I predicted The Little Mermaid, the number one movie of the summer. I don't know if that's going to happen. I predict Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the number two movie of the summer. And, you know, listen, I'll admit that I was probably wrong on The Little Mermaid, but I had a lot of people tell me that I was stupid to take Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse this high because of the performance of the other film. So I will take a little pride in the fact that I was buying in high on Across the Spider-Verse from the very beginning. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 I picked as the third film of the summer, so 1, 2, 3 are all in play there. Fast X I picked as the eighth highest grossing film of the summer, and I think that I probably Probably picked it about right. We'll see where it settles in that position. And then the next big movie that I predicted as one of the top films of the summer, The Flash, which I picked number four. A lot of people think that I'm very high on that film as well. We'll see. It opens next weekend, although that review will be out tomorrow here on the channel. One movie that I did not pick in my summer top 10 is Transformers Rise of the Beast, which opens this weekend. And something tells me that I may regret not putting that movie on this list. We'll just have to see. Looking at some 2023 charts, let's look first at the domestic box office for the year so far. The Super Mario Brothers movie dominating with $566.2 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in second place with $322.7 million. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in third place for now with $214.4 million, although The Little Mermaid and Across the Spider-Verse are both gunning for that total. Speaking of gunning for the total, John Wick Chapter 4 at number 4 with $186.8 million. The Little Mermaid rises up one spot and enters the top five about to pass John Wick chapter four in fifth place with 186.2 million Creed three drops down one spot to number six fast X stays at number seven Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse enters the 2023 domestic chart at number eight which bumps Scream six down one spot Megan down one spot and sadly we have to say goodbye to Dungeons and Dragons 
Honor Among Thieves. Looking at the calendar gross for this year, so this is all tickets sold since January 1st, Super Mario Brothers and Guardians of the Galaxy remain at number one and two. Avatar for now is at number three. It sold $283 million worth of tickets in calendar year 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania for now is at number four with John Wick Chapter 4 at number five. This top five is going to get shook up real soon. The Little Mermaid rises two spots to number six. Creed 2 drops one spot to number seven. Puss in Boots The Last Wish drops one spot to number eight. Fast X is at number nine on the chart, although it's got some upward mobility. And speaking of upward mobility, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse enters the chart at number 10, which drops Scream 6 out. Of course, at the point at which we get rid of all or even most of the 2022 releases, then we will probably update this chart less frequently because it is pretty redundant with the 2023 domestic chart. Looking at the top films worldwide, the Super Mario Brothers movie with $1.3 billion at number one. Guardians of the Galaxy is on the cusp of breaking the $800 million mark at number two. Full River Red's at number three. The Wandering Earth 2 is at number four. And Fast X is at number five. It has now breached the $600 million barrier and looks like it's heading to number four for the year globally. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number six. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number seven. The Little Mermaid enters the list with $326.7 million at number eight which drops Creed 3 down one spot to number 9. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is just outside by like, actually, when we look at the final results, it may have actually hit the chart this week, but right now it is just behind Booty Bear's Guardian Code. But Booty Bear's is going to be gone next week, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will be on this chart. The question is, will Transformers Rise of the Beast be able to put up a good enough opening to also enter the chart next week? We'll just have to see. I doubt that it's going to, but you know, never count out options. Optimus Prime. Before we go, as always, I want to take a look back at a weekend in box office history, and this week we're going back to the first weekend in June, June 1st to the 3rd, 1990, the 22nd weekend of the year, which saw the release of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Total Recall, which never should have been remade. This should be the only Total Recall movie in existence. $25.5 million opening weekend, easily number one at the box office, ahead of Back to the Future Part 2 in its second week of release, with a 56% drop and a $10.3 million total. Total, a running total of $38 million for the trilogy ender. Bird on a Wire was in third place in its third week of release with $6.3 million and a running total of $42.2 million. Still playing from earlier that year was Pretty Woman with $4.7 million in week 11 and a running total of $126.7 million. And then in fifth place, the Robin Williams film Cadillac Man in its third week of release, a 55% drop in a $2.8 million weekend for a running total of $19.5 million. Of course, if you watch the show, you know that we don't just let these old weekends lie. We like to see how they might do when put into today's terms by hitting that inflation button. And when you adjust these figures for inflation, you see that Total Recall opens to the equivalent in today's dollars of $59.2 million. Topping Back to the Future Part 3, which had $23.9 million in Week 2 and a running total of $88.4 million. Bird on a Wire at number 3 had the equivalent of a $14.7 million third weekend and a total of just under $100 million, $98 million in Week 3. Pretty Woman with the equivalent of an $11 million 11th weekend, so I guess that's appropriate, and a running total of $294.1 million. That movie was phenomenally successful for its time. And Cadillac Man at number 5, a $6.6 million weekend and a running total of $45.4 million. 
So that wraps up charts for this week. Opening this weekend, really the only major wide release is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I'll be going to a screening of that on Wednesday night. I'll have a review for you on Thursday morning of that film. Also of note, Avatar The Way of Water hit streaming this week, not only on Disney+, Plus but also on Max. There was a deal reached to have it stream on both platforms simultaneously. So if you see Avatar The Way of Water on two different platforms, uh, it's not a bug. Your eyes are not deceiving you. It is actually streaming on two different platforms platforms this week. A couple of other films to watch out for in limited release, the British film Blue Jean, which won the People's Choice Award at the Venice Film Festival last year, and Dolly Land, directed by Mary Heron, who also directed American Psycho, among other films, starring Ben Kingsley as Salvador Dolly. Thank you so much for tuning into Charts a little bit early this week, although it's about when we used to do the show. It's crazy how the schedule changes over time. As I mentioned, stay tuned tomorrow because the embargo for The Flash drops, and I will have my non-spoiler review out with my impressions of the film. It's been one of my most anxiously awaited films uh, of the summer, so we'll see what happens. And then later this week, I'm going to try to fit in a streaming Charts with Dan, uh, probably another news show, and as I mentioned, a review of Transformers Rise of the Beast. So another busy week here on the channel as it always is during the summer movie season thank you to my sponsors today you can find out more about both of them in the description below but most of all thank you for spending part of your day here with me until next time stay safe and i'll see you then bye